We'll take your copy of God's Word, and let's open our Bibles together to John chapter 13. John 13, Gospel of John, and we're going to begin reading this morning at verse 12, where Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples, and He has just had the exchange with Peter, who had been corrected by the Lord when Peter resisted having his feet washed by Jesus. And then we pick up in verse 12 this morning and carry on through verse 17. So follow along as I read verses 12 through 17. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. John chapter 13, verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. During supper, Jesus had stooped to wash the disciples' feet. This act of love, this act of service, This act of humility in washing the feet of the disciples we saw here in verses 6-11 through last time, there were important lessons to learn as Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And with this act of love and service toward His disciples and in the exchange that He had with Peter, Jesus reminded them of the believers once for all cleansing from sin at salvation, and I trust you praise God for that. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have much to praise God for, for that once for all cleansing from sin when you put your faith in Jesus Christ because Jesus paid for your sin on Calvary. That's That's an important thing to remember as we come to this passage and we think about the cleansing that Jesus is doing to the disciples' feet. But he also reminded them of this important truth of the ongoing work of cleansing by the Word and the Spirit in the believer's life. That's the ongoing daily work that we all need called sanctification. It's a growing in Christ. It's a maturity in Christ. It's a growing up in the wisdom of the Word as we follow our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Word by the work of the Word and by the work of His Spirit. The Spirit of God at work in His people. Now, as Jesus returns to His place with the disciples at supper, He has an even more important lesson for His followers. And what was Jesus main reason for washing their feet. We're going to see it here. The main reason was the lesson that he shares with them in our text this morning. He wants them to learn this. 
And we've been talking about this actually for several weeks now. He wants them to learn to humbly love and serve each other. This is a, for the church, this is a superpower. You want a superpower? Don't we? When you're a kid, you wanted a superpower. When I was a kid, I, I thought I wanted to be Batman. My mom was uh, quite the seamstress. She actually made me a Batman costume, the best one ever. And I wore it for years as a, as a youngster at, when I would go trick-or-treating. I got no superpower with that thing, though. As good as it was, there was no superpower. You want a superpower? You know what? As an adult, as a, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, here it is. You need to know this. This is your superpower. And this is a good one. This is the best ever. Jesus enables you by His sacrifice on the cross and with His examples we have in His Word and by the Scriptures, and this is what we're seeing as He shares with the disciples, that your superpower is this, by the Word, the work of the Word, and by the Spirit taking the Word to convict you of sin so that you'll be quick to repent and turn from it and turn to obedience, and then enable you and strengthen you with the Word, the wisdom of the Word, to love and out of that love, to serve one another. That's the church's superpower. Love. And out of that love, serving. So Jesus wants them to get this. So we see Jesus leading them to that point with this important question here in verse 12. Look at verse 12 again. Do you understand what I have done to you? He doesn't want to leave anything to question here. He doesn't want to just guess that they've figured it out. He, he, know, he, he knows they haven't. He knows they haven't figured it out. So he says, do you understand what I've done to you? I wonder how they answered that question. Well, that would have been interesting to hear, but, but we, don't, we don't know. They, we're not told in the Scriptures. Maybe they said, oh, uh, uh, yeah, you, you, uh, you washed our feet. <laughs> but they had to get a hint that there was more going on here when he asked that question. Do you know? Do you understand what I've done to you? However they answered, it's likely they weren't thinking, though, what Jesus has in mind. Look at verses 13 and 14 as Jesus gets right to the heart of what he wanted them to learn. Look at verse 13 and 14 again. If you call me teacher and Lord... And you call me, teacher and Lord, you are right, for so I am. If I then, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to learn the lesson that I'm trying to teach. Look at what he says. You also ought to wash one another's feet. Now think about this for a moment. This is very interesting. This is, I think this is interesting because these are the disciples. These are the same disciples, the followers of Jesus, the, the, the people, the men that Jesus had chosen to be His disciples, to, to follow Him, to learn from His teaching, that He would send out and do His work 
These are the same disciples of whom Matthew 18 tells us they argued amongst themselves about who would be greater in the kingdom of God. And here Jesus says, pay attention now, class. (laughs) You, You rightly call me teacher and Lord. So learn your lesson. Learn the lesson that I'm trying to teach you. So they needed to learn from Jesus' example. And here Jesus had simply and humbly taken on the role of a servant and had willingly washed the filthy feet of the disciples. And here was God the Son stooping to do what a follower of Jesus should be willing to do for Him. Each of those disciples should have been willing to wash Jesus' feet. But that's not what he was teaching them. He wasn't teaching them to be willing to now take your turn and wash my feet. No, that's not what he was teaching them. He doesn't say here, now see what I've done for you. Now you come and take turns, wash my feet. That's not what he's teaching. He says something I think that is shocking. He says here in verse 14, If I then your Lord... And teacher, have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. And so obviously there's something important going on here. There's something important we ought to think about here. And there's something important especially that we ought to think about here before we go any further. And we need to deal with this. And maybe, you think, maybe you're thinking this question, or maybe not. But, but let, let me bring this question up anyway because we need to settle this. Was Jesus teaching the disciples that all who came after them, that they should begin, and that all who came after them and followed Him should literally wash each other's feet? Why are we washing each other's feet today? Why, when we observe the Lord's Supper, do we not also wash each other's feet? Why, when we also... when we uh, uh, Worship together at at someone's baptism. Do we not also wash feet? Why when you come in the doors do we not stop and wash each other's feet? Because there are some churches that take this passage literally here and believe that Jesus was teaching the practice of foot washing, making this one of the ordinances of the church, like baptism, like the Lord's Supper. Is that what Jesus is teaching here? Is he instructing his disciples to do that? That is not what Jesus is teaching here. If we think that, we have missed Jesus' point. If the disciples would have thought that, they would have totally missed what Jesus was teaching them. And we know this because, for one thing, this did, did not become the practice of the early church. That's one of the ways that, that, we help, uh, that we can understand what we're to be doing. What did the early church do? What became a practice of the early church as a result of what Jesus taught? This is not one of the things that the early church practiced. So we know that this is not what Jesus was teaching for that reason. We we do not find the early church making this a part of the ministry of the church. For another thing, we must always go to God's Word. And and when you begin to inspect and look for other examples of this in God's Word, you don't find it. You don't find another example of this in God's Word. In fact, the only other reference to foot washing is in 1 Timothy 5.10, and there it's listed among other acts of 
kindness. But it's, but it's not presented as an ordinance of the church. It's not practiced as something that the church carried out and, and practiced repeatedly. There's another reason we can know that Jesus wasn't teaching the practice of foot washing. Again, and we come to the Word for this, and I always like to say, if you, if you come to something difficult in the Scriptures and you find a difficult verse, read the next verse. <laughs> and read the one before it, and read the one before that. Read the whole chapter. If you find a difficult verse, read the whole chapter. You might need to read the whole book. And we can do that here and understand that this is not what Jesus was teaching. He was not teaching the practice of foot foot washing. It may have been an act of kindness and a way to demonstrate your love and ministry to someone, but it it wasn't the practice of the early church. And and Jesus wasn't teaching that it should become the practice of the church today. So here's another reason why I say that. Look at what comes next in the text. Look at verse 15 where Jesus says, Are you looking at verse 15? For I have given you an example. An example. That you also should do just as I have done to you. He says this is an example. And this is a powerful example, isn't it? For them, it would have been especially powerful Foot washing was normally the responsibility of a Gentile slave. Not even a Jewish slave could be required to wash the feet of his master. So Jesus becomes like a servant. And what Jesus is teaching here is that this is the way This is the way that we ought to love and serve one another. Jesus says, here's an example of how you're supposed to love and serve each other. And you are not to think better of yourself than others. And you are to humbly love and serve each other. Follow my example. And because Jesus knows this is a tough example to naturally follow, I mean, naturally we are self-centered human beings, so it's a difficult thing for naturally self-centered human beings who are only thinking of ourselves most of the time to switch gears, so to speak, and think, wait a minute, I'm supposed to use the superpower God gives me in the church to love and serve each other for God's glory, for the good of His church, for the good of my brother and sister in Christ, for the good of the world that we live in who needs Christ. And Jesus knows this is going to be hard for us to to practice, to put into practice, to keep practicing, to be faithful at. And He makes His point clear with this verse, verse 16. Truly, truly, this is is important. He's saying, look, this is first-hand knowledge I bring to you, is what that means. Truly, truly. Important first-hand knowledge that I bring to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now you read that and you might think, well, that 
That makes sense. That's common sense, isn't it? That we, we know this, that the servant does not have more authority than the master. The one who's sent, the messenger, does not have more authority than the, messenger, the, the one who sent him with the message. The messenger's job is only to give the message of the one who sent him. But, there's an even more powerful point Jesus is making in verse 16. The point is that if he, their master and teacher, could humbly stoop to serve and wash their feet, then they too, as his servants and messengers, remember he was going to send them out, and they would be his messengers, and now that's us, that's the church, we're the messengers of Jesus Christ. If you, my servants and messengers, now, now I've stooped to serve and wash your feet, you should willingly love and serve as I have loved and served you. The truly humble servant of the Lord Jesus Christ joyfully does what his master is himself willing to do. Reminds us so much of the shepherd, doesn't it? Jesus is called the good shepherd. And they say of a shepherd, a shepherd cannot drive the sheep, the shepherd must lead the sheep. And Jesus does that, doesn't he? He leads with this example. Now, no doubt, if we were to wash each other's feet, that would be an act of humility. That would be an act of love and service, I believe, if done with the right attitude. If practiced with the right attitude, it would be, at, be an act of humility, a, an act of love and service to each other. But if we were to only practice foot washing, if we were to take from what Jesus taught and only conclude that we're supposed to wash each other's feet, all right, I'm okay, come on, it's your turn. Have a seat. I'm going to wash your feet. God's Word says to wash each other's feet. <laughs> you, gather, you get the idea? I'm, I'm kind of uh, projecting a, an attitude of resignation. Okay, this is what God requires of us. It's time to wash each other's feet. If that's, all, that's how we approach this, that's no longer an act of love and service. And that is an act of, of responsibility, of duty. Well, I'm going to do my duty. It's one of the reasons we say when we, occasionally you'll hear me say when we give an offering, when we're calling for the ushers to come and collect the tithes and offerings. This is a time for people to give who want to give as an act of worship. You should not give out of duty. God wants your heart. He knows your heart. You should be, you should be giving because you want to honor God with a portion of what he has entrusted to you. And God has all, all that we need. And He's going to give us all that we need when we need it. And we trust Him for that. And so this act of foot washing, if we practiced this amongst each other and we did it with the right attitude, certainly that would be an act of love and service. But if we're only to practice foot washing, even if we did it, as an act of love and service, even if we came with the right attitude and not as an act of duty, something we have to do, but we said, oh, here's an act that we can perform for one another as an act of worship to God. 
Even if we came with that right attitude, we'd be missing the lesson that Jesus was teaching. So the lesson here is not one of foot washing. The lesson here is one of humble love and service offered to God as we love and serve each other for God's glory and for the good of God's church. In fact, Jesus went far beyond this simple act of foot washing. We know that, don't we? He gave them this powerful example that's very practical, very visual. He said, look at how I'm serving you. This is the way. This is what he was teaching. This is the way you're to love and serve each other. This is the way your love and service to me should overflow into the lives of people in the church, but also from the church into the world so that you carry the gospel message to a dying world. The lesson here is one one of humble love and service to one another. In fact, Jesus obviously went far beyond this simple act of foot washing by giving us an even more powerful example. It's the example and demonstration of the Lamb of God sacrificed for sinners on the cross. As God the Son, God in human flesh, humbled Himself to carry out the Father's will, that the Father's wrath might be poured out on the sinless Son, rather on those who would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ when God draws them to Himself. Now it's all fine and good to have Jesus' example of humble service here. It's also good to have the Master's teaching here. And we, we must pay attention to this and we must seek to obey it. It's good to have these things. And there's certainly no missing Jesus' point when we stop and, and examine the text and, and understand what Jesus was teaching. Do you hear Jesus' point here? It's all well and good to get the point, to hear the point and say, yeah, I see it now, I, I understand it now. The disciples heard Jesus, and as He taught them, they were going to begin to grasp it and understand it. They were going to learn to love and serve each other with humility and with a joyful willingness But again, Jesus knows His followers must do something about what they're learning. They must do something about it. He knows they must put into practice what they've learned from Him. So He gives this challenge. Look at verse 17. And this is an important challenge for them and still today for Jesus' followers. Verse 17 is an important challenge for you, for us, for God's church. Verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. It's good to know, isn't it? It's good to know what God wants of us. It's good to have Jesus' example here. But I want you to understand this, and I think we understand this, that it's one thing to know, and it's another thing to know and do. Because you know. Because you take to heart what God's Word is teaching. How worthless the disciples' time with Jesus would have been, this time that Jesus took to wash their feet and then to teach them what He was trying to demonstrate for them. 
how worthless the disciples' time with Jesus would have been if, had they refused to obey and follow Jesus' example of humble love and service to them. And how worthless this teaching of Jesus to you and me today if all we do is come and say, yeah, that's what Jesus is teaching. That's important. That's good. I hope other people do that. I can think of some people I wish were here who needed to hear this. I've actually had people say that before. That was a great sermon, Pastor. I wish so-and-so would have been here to hear it. (laughs) It's like, did you just say that? You were here. You were here. Oh, we're here to hear this, aren't we? Hear God's Word. And yeah, we could think of people who need to practice this, but we had better think of ourselves first. We had better put ourselves in the disciples' shoes first and say, sandals, put ourselves in their sandals and say, we better obey. So Jesus gives this encouragement to them because they needed to practice this. Not just practice it to get it right, but practice to make it a habit of the church. Practice this superpower, church. Love and serve each other. So Jesus gives this encouragement, this incentive. You you often operate better with incentives, don't you? It's why you generally obey the speed limit. Generally, right? Because you know you have an incentive. Because if you don't, you may get a costly fine, a costly ticket. Um, I became a commercial driver. I got a commercial driver's license. Like they call you a professional driver if you've got a commercial driver's license, right? Right. Paul knows. You, Samantha knows too. You guys have a commercial driver's license. You know what happens if you get a ticket? Times two. When I got my commercial driver's license, I thought, oh my word, I had better pay very close attention to the speed limit because if I don't, I'm going to get twice the fine of somebody else, even if you're driving your personal car. That got my attention. My wife drives faster than I do these days. So Jesus gives this encouragement, this incentive. You need an incentive? We often do, don't we? Do you want an incentive for obeying this teaching? For following Jesus' example? Here it is. Here it is. You want to know what it is? God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience. In fact, that's what the Bible teaches. If you read your Bible, and I suggest you do, read your Bible you will find out that God blesses obedience. That's the testimony of Scripture. Listen to Proverbs 3. I want to just read to you verses 1 through 6. Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. That's God's blessing. Verse 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. That's God's blessing. 
Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. That's God's blessing for your obedience. That's the testimony of Scripture. God blesses obedience. And if you know your Bible, you know this. And you often need that reminder. Wait a minute. God says He'll bless if I obey. He'll also do something else if you disobey. He'll withhold His blessing. And He will often bring His discipline, which we need if we're disobeying to get our attention. But this teaching of Jesus, which is given for our instruction as well as for His disciples that day, will mean nothing for this church. Will mean nothing for you, church. If your lives do not agree that this is an important truth, if the practice of your lives say something other than what you might say when you come and read this and say, oh yeah, that's the truth. Jesus says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know, it's possible to know these things and not do them. So we cannot stop at simply agreeing that this is important. We must obey. That's why James says this, James 1, verses 22 through 25, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, that's God's word, the law of liberty, that's God's word, liberty when you obey, and perseveres, that's obedience, being a no-hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts He will be blessed in His doing. He will be blessed in His obedience. God blesses obedience. So there it is again. That's why we must do more than agree that this teaching of Jesus is important. We must take it to heart. I can't make you do that. You can't make each other do that. The only person who can decide that you're going to obey God's Word is you. And to that end, that we may obey Jesus' instruction here and be those people who are blessed by God because we not only know these things, but we do them. I'm going to give you four challenges this morning. I want, to hear, I want you to hear four challenges that you need to learn here from Jesus about humbly loving and serving one another. And you may want to write these down to review them later, to challenge you, encourage you later. Here's the first challenge. And these all begin with these words, a faithful and growing servant of Jesus. Because that's what God wants us to be. A faithful and growing servant of Jesus. Here's number one. A faithful and growing servant of Jesus serves Without playing favorites, you don't pick and choose. You don't play favorites. You you go where God leads, and you serve those whom God puts in your path. 
And a faithful, growing servant of Jesus serves without playing favorites. You know, Jesus put himself in the role of a servant and washed his disciples' feet. And he actually washed all 12 of the disciples' feet. All 12 disciples sat before him, and he knelt before them, and he washed 12 pairs of feet that day, even when one of them was planning his betrayal of Jesus. Jesus didn't get to Judas and say, not you, Judas. You can learn from Jesus that you're not loving and serving others if you play favorites. And you who follow Jesus' example will give a powerful witness for Christ when you love and serve not only those people you like, because there are some people it's easy to like, there are some people you like, there's some people you might say, I don't like them. I don't like the way they behave. Or I don't like, like the way they treat me. But even and especially when you love and serve the people that you find hard to like, your humble service to others because of Christ is, is genuine when you serve one another without playing favorites. Well, I know you put that person in my life, Lord, or, or maybe you don't admit that God put that person in your life. I know this person's in my life, Lord, but I don't want to serve them. They don't treat me right. That's not the attitude of a growing servant of Jesus Christ. And if that's not your attitude, if, if your attitude is one of resistance And come again to this text and humble yourself before the Lord and ask for God's help to not play favorites. When God puts somebody in your life, love and serve them for God's glory. This would be a good point to stop and think carefully about your relationships with other people in this church. This teaching certainly applies to your whole life, not just to the people who call themselves part of Chardon Baptist Church. It does apply to your whole life, but it ought to begin here. It ought to begin amongst us and how we treat one another and how we love and serve each other. And among God's people is where we need to begin. And we may need to ask ourselves, is there somebody in this church that I find hard to like? Is there someone who's never said a kind word to me? Maybe there's even someone who's a part of this church who said or done something that really bothered me or even hurt me. The answer is not to leave and find another church. Often the difficulties you leave behind will go with you and find you at the next place. Is this where you draw the line in your love and service for God's glory? Would you say, well, I'll love and serve that person, but not that person? Or will you humbly love and serve even the person you find hard to like out of obedience to Jesus? Because a faithful and growing servant of Jesus loves and serves without playing favorites. No matter how they've been treated by that person in the past or how they think they'll be treated by that person in the future. This is one of the things that I think we need to especially think about. In my twenty, almost 23 years now, now of pastoral ministry, I've seen people come and go in church and and some people drift away from the church and, or, and maybe they backslid for a while. Then they come back to the Lord. But when they come back, sometimes people in the church will say, 
yeah, they're back, but, uh, you know, they've kind of not been very faithful. Oh, we need to check our attitude. When somebody comes back, when it seems like somebody's coming back to the Lord, we need to be joyfully accepting them. Let God be the judge of whether they're their attitude is right, whether they're truly growing in the Lord, we receive them and we invest in their lives by loving and serving them. No matter how they behave or how we think they'll behave in the future. This is hard, I understand. We need to learn how to practice this if we're going to love and serve like Jesus. Let me give you number two. Here's number two. Again, it starts with this. A faithful and growing servant of Jesus forgets about himself. A faithful and growing servant of Jesus forgets about himself. And this is hard, but that's what Jesus is teaching here. One of the challenges that we, we receive from Jesus here is that he humbly served the twelve, not the eleven, who were going to be faithful to him, but all twelve, even the one who was going to betray him. We also saw this kind of humility back in chapter 12 when Mary broke that expensive bottle of perfume and, and wiped it over Jesus' feet with her hair. You know, she put herself in a place to be ridiculed by others, and she was. She was ridiculed by Judas. And even the other disciples. But she humbly served Jesus without concern for what others would think of her. She forgot about herself. And we need to learn to be self-forgetful. A growing servant of Jesus Christ, a growing and maturing servant of Jesus Christ will be self-forgetful. You are not loving and serving others if you can't forget about yourself. And here's what I mean. If you think you are loving and serving while at the same time you have the attitude that that you're really putting yourself out here, I'll do it. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love these people and serve them, but I'm really putting myself out here. I'm really going above and beyond. If, If your love and service for Christ and is not humble love and humble service to others, if it's not genuine, then you're not forgetting about yourself. And you're not putting the other person first and their needs first. Here's number three. A faithful and growing servant of Jesus finds great joy in loving and serving others. That's another challenge we receive from Jesus here. You are not loving and serving like Jesus if you find no joy in it. I hope that you have all experienced the joy of the Lord when you have done some act of love and service humbly for God's glory. I I say I hope you have because, because if you have, you've experienced this joy. It's one of the way God blesses. It's one of the blessings of the Lord for obedience. But that's another challenge here because when you serve with selfish motives, you will be disappointed when, 
when you aren't praised like you hoped you would be for serving, when you don't get the attention that you hoped you would have gotten, when you don't get the love from others you hoped they would return to you. So here's a question that will help you look carefully at your motives for loving and serving others. When you don't receive the recognition you think you're due, how do you react? Do you get mad? Do you get resentful? Do you feel sorry for yourself? Or do you say, I'll never do that again. I'm not going to serve that person ever again. They didn't even thank me. They didn't even recognize what I did for them. Oh, we ought to check our hearts and attitudes with that kind of a question. Or do you love? Do you love and serve others with joy no matter what? Because it is service that you have given out of Love and service to your Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. Well, that'll change, help change our attitudes if we come that way. You say, I'm going to do this act of love and service, not for this person so much, not, for, not for, for the return that I'll get from them, but for the cause of Christ. Because I want to honor God with my life. I want to be obedient to Him, and, and this person's in my life, and I'm going to love and serve them for God's glory and for their good and for my joy. Hebrews 12.2 says of Jesus showing us again that example. Our example is this in Jesus, his, His loving and serving, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. Jesus knew there was joy on the other side of the cross. Despising the shame, he said, hey, I'm going to take the shame as no account. I'm not going to worry about the shame because there's joy to come. Joy is mine. Jesus knew there was joy in loving and serving those who put their faith in Him. So He endured the cross for sinners. And there is great joy, brother or sister, in Christ, church. There is great joy in loving and serving those who put their faith in Him as we love and serve our Lord and Savior. There's great joy in loving and serving others. That's also why Jesus says in verse 17 in John 13, look at verse 17 again, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That's part of the blessing of God, the joy that you will receive from the Lord. The joy in loving and serving others out of your love for and service to Jesus is one of the many blessings God gives, but it's probably one of the greatest blessings. Now, number four. A faithful and growing servant of Jesus serves for His Master's glory. We've touched on it. I've mentioned it several times now, but but we need to repeat this idea and, and think about this. A faithful and growing servant of Jesus serves for His Master's glory, not His own. Repeatedly, you hear Jesus say that He is following God the Father's orders. He is following God the Father's instruction. He is carrying out His Father's commands. Jesus is saying again and again, we've seen it in John's Gospel, I'm on a mission from God the Father. Jesus, God the Son, served for the glory of God the Father. 
John says it back in verse 3, that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he, was, he had come from God, he had come to serve for God's glory, he was going to go back to God. God the Son, back to God the Father. Jesus was serving at the instruction and authority of the Father. And we hear it clearly in Jesus' words in John 17, verses 1 through 4, that the Father glorified the Son. So the Son glorified the Father, and then the Father glorified the Son. But note especially here the Son's obedience and how it brings glory to God the Father in John 17, verses 1 through 4. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, God the Son, glorifying God the Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. I glorified you on earth, says Jesus. You know, that's the attitude that he wants us to have today. We can glorify our Lord and Master, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We can glorify God the Father by our obedience with this truth that we're learning here today. And you too, if you are a believer in Jesus, you are to love and serve for God's glory and not your own. Take this reminder from 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31 to heart. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, and we could insert here, including your love and service to each other in the church and your love and service that overflows from the church to the world. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all, do everything to the glory of God. May it be true of His people. May it be true of us.